Welcome to uh, Spill Your Sports, Episode 3 with Derek D-Rock Pretty, Willie Rowdy Rudnick, and Big Daddy Decker. I uh, got some more interesting uh, sports topics for you all tonight. Um, we're going to give it all we got and see if we can't make somebody's day here. Um, got, what I think, five pretty good topics. Uh, the first one is Combine Warriors. We're going to talk about you know how much the Combine really means. Um, baseball, is there some changes needed to the game of baseball these days? Uh, greatest NBA decade. And topic four, free agent targets that you would like to see your team go after. And then lastly, we're going to look at the high school sporting uh, area and try to determine what's best for kids, multi-sport athletes or to specialize in one sport. And um, I'm really looking forward to that one myself. But we're going to start off with Combine Warriors and just how important that Combine is. And uh, we're going to circle it around and kind of see what everybody's different thoughts on this matter is. So, Willie Rowdy, where do you put most of your stock? Do you put it in those Combine numbers or do you feel like uh, the tape, uh, tape never lies? Well, uh, Big Daddy Decker, I appreciate you having me aboard once again for this lovely little show that we do here. I feel like, in all honesty, if you ask me, um, if I have to put my two cents in, I'm all about the combine. I want to see, I want to see the guys that show up. I want to see guys that puts up good forties. I think you're vertical. I think your benching is important. Um, I think that's where you showcase your talent. I mean, yes, the film it, it's there in front of you. It don't lie. But when push comes to shove, I truly believe the combine is where it's at. I mean, you got the guys out there that's, you know, it's just, that's what I think. All right. Individually. I'm more of a tape guy. I like like film shows a lot. You've had past where there was, I think, people put up good numbers at the combine and it's just so like different from in game. You're focusing on one specific skill when in the game you got to put all that together in a package. So I, I, I like I would I'd rather see a tape. You're you're seeing the guy's full, you know everything he brings to the table in one in one tape. So you think let, let me put it this way, and this is my thought. And you can agree, disagree. <laughs> you know it really doesn't you know phase me. You don't play the game in your underwear. You're out there. When you run that 40, you got a helmet on, you got shoulder pads on, you got all this padding on, and you have a guy lined up in front of you that you got to get around first. So, you know, to me, the combine, that's nice and everything. But, you know, kind of like D-Rock was saying here, you know. So why do they have it then? Why do they do the combine? That's a good question. I think it's stupid. <laughs> I'm just going to throw so that there. it's just a waste of time. I, I do think it's a waste of time. I mean... I, and of course, maybe it's the coaching me coming out, but you know, I, I just really think, you know, I want to see, you know, I don't care how many, you know, bench reps that guy can punch out. I want to look at the fourth quarter of a game when he's went and played three quarters, and if he can still knock an offensive tackle on his rear end and get to the quarterback, that's what matters. I mean, not if he can knock out 35, 40 reps at two eighty five. Right. You know, can he withstand and do it over the course of a game? Um, to me, that is more beneficial than, you know, just these, you know, abstract numbers. And I know that people all get jacked up. Well, he ran a four two eight forty. Well, that that's nice, um, but you know, what's, what's John Ross doing in the leagues now? Yeah, I, mean, I agree. 
agree. I mean, I mean it's, it, it, I, there, there's there's a case where you know you it's good to understand like okay this guy's you know his length this vertical it's a good idea to you know kind of give a I guess your your coaching staff you know little get them going and you want to watch these guys and get a feel but honestly tape man I gotta go with tape you gotta thought- you watch tape you get your that's your raw, uncut. This guy's gonna do this. I think it gives them. I think it gives the guys when they're at the combine. I get it gives them their time to shine. Let them stick out. They're, that helps their draft stock. That, I mean, you, you you got all these GMs, owners. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> combine, and I think it gives them a chance to showcase and let them stick out. Like I said, and uh, help their draft stock. And that's what I believe. Yeah, you're you're right, but I, you know, my, I guess my number one question is, how much stock should put in? They should put in that, you know, those combine numbers. I mean, like I said, you know, on the field out there, they're in a controlled environment during those workouts and everything, and you know, you don't get to see the in-game toughness and you know all that, so. Like I said, you know, it, and people's always got different views on, you know, some people get jacked up over the, the combine. Other people's are always like, you know, it, it's just one tool. And I, I think that's where I'm at. Yeah, it's good to have those numbers and those things. But at, at the root of the day, you know, when you hear, you know, the people that, you know, I think know what they're talking about, the Ma- the Mayox and all them, they're like, I want to see the tape. And I, I'm kind of with them on that one. All right, that's going to close that one down as we move into baseball, a little baseball action, getting ready to start. Um, and, of course, right now, right in the middle of spring training. But, you know, what about the game of baseball itself? Do we need some changes in baseball? And, you know, I, I don't care to go first on this one. I am, you know, I played baseball for years. And, to be honest, I think there's – some changes that need to be made. You know, I, I you watch a game, you know, that's there during the course of the day now, and there's like hardly anybody in the seats. Um, you know, television ratings, with the exception of maybe the World Series and playoff games, yeah. are, are down. Um, and I think, to me, a big part of that is, you know, the games are just so long. I would like to see them short. games, come on. Yeah, I mean, 180-game season. That's crazy. And then, sixty-two, huh? Or sixty-two. Well, well I mean, if you're going, like if you're, yeah, yeah. well, if you're in the playoffs, it's one hundred and eighty yeah. something. Yeah. If you make it to the end, and you know, then you look at, you know, just the lengths of the games themselves. I mean, you sit down and watch a baseball game, you're going to be sitting there for three and a half, four hours, maybe even longer. And that's not counting rain delays. Yeah, the, <laughs> rain delay, lightning, you know, all those things. Baseball game. So I, I do think they should think, do some things, and I think college football has done this, and then NFL and some other sports have done things to shorten the game a little bit, and I think it's helped there. You know, the 40-second clocks that are just constantly moving, not stopping the ball, and cert- or not stopping the clock. And I was about to say, because the pitchers got a certain amount of time. Quick replays. Before they can get the replays kill sports. Yes, and um, so so I do think there's some th- things that could be looked at to make baseball a little bit more um, entertaining, because I, I, I just think, you know, the lazy days of going to watch a, a baseball game, I just think those days are gone, 
And, you know, with the exception of your kind of diehard baseball fans that are there for every game that have nothing better to do, um, you know, people just don't have that much time to dedicate to, to watch a baseball game anymore. No. What do y'all think? I, I mean, I'll piggyback off of you and say it. You're 100% right. I mean, and where is the money coming to pay these players? Because to, to, to your point, you got an arena that's 50% full and you're paying these guys no, with no uh, salary cap. These guys are getting 100, too many hundred dollars. You brought up a good point. Dollar you're seeing all these empty seats. Why do you think you're seeing these empty seats? They're, the ticket prices are stupid. Unless you're living in New York, you know, your big cities, these get, these, some of these fans can't afford some of the money you're wanting to fork out these these uh, stands. And like I said, the cap. You've got to put a limit on the cap. There's think, no cap in baseball, and it's just it, it's mind blowing. I, I think it really hurts. These guys don't. No. The the no cap I think has really hurt your mid mid tier uh, teams in smaller you know vicinities that just can't fork up that money, and I think that's why small ball and uh, money ball and things has been so important to baseball because it's gives smaller teams a chance to kind of, you know, look at statistics and look at different things like that and kind of stay competitive. And you look at, you know, look at the Yankees, a team that's traditionally forked out hundreds of millions of dollars and not been as successful as they've been used to lately and been, you know, beat by, you know, smaller market teams that you just, you know, dink them and dunk them and aren't necessarily home run teams or anything like that. They just play good on the... um, you know, the analytical scale. So I say, Brandon, limit your games. Bring it down to about a, a little over 100. It ain't got to be 160-something. Keyword with baseball is lower. Lower, yeah. <laughs> lower the games, lower the ticket prices, make it to where the fans, it's worth coming because, hey, I'm, I'm they only play so many games a year, I might not get to watch them. Right. So I'm, I'm more apt to go. They're playing 160 games. Well, they got plenty you of know, I mean, they're going to have 80-something home games. Yeah, I mean, you know, we don't really have to go this week, honey. But I will, I, I will give benefit of that. The home run derby these last couple of years has been really good because they've sped it up. You've got some of, what is it, five minutes? You know, see how many you can jack out instead of just penny loaf and take your own pitch. And then, you know, because the, the derby lasted forever because, you know, guys just wanted to stand there and take their count. But now, you know, and uh, you brought up ratings. I honestly think the MLB ratings for the playoffs have been almost better than your NBA the last couple of years. Oh, the playoffs, I mean, definitely. I mean, so but you're just talking season. Yeah, I'm just talking about in the season. And, you know, I think you made a good point, and, you know, lower the better. You know, I would like to see it go from, honestly, a nine-inning game to a seven-inning game. I think that would, you know, be something interesting. I think you'd see a lot more complete games yes. out of your picture, out of your pitchers. Uh, and honestly, I think it would call, save arms. It would, yeah, save arms. And you know, if you wanted to, you know, keep 162 games, we'll go to seven innings a game, and you know that you know reduces probably injuries in in the long term. And you know, really, it forces managers to do a, I think, a little bit better job of playing with strategy and things like that. Now it, you. You, you can't just go seven innings, go to a middle reliever, and then, you know, bring in your picture. Right. Or, you know, it, right. it forces kind of you to either, okay, we're going to stick with our starter and go straight to a closer, or, you know, do, you know, I just think it forces a, a whole new scenario in baseball if you only have 
those, uh, you know, they, the shortened They've innings. limited the commercials, too. They've sped it up. I mean, your average baseball game might go just a little over two hours. But it's not like it used to be three, three-and-a-half-hour games. They did a decent job of speeding it up a little bit. Well, then, Phil, I can see, you know, where their games are so long because there's so few of them. Right. But when you got a baseball game that's running three-and-a-half hours and you've got 170 more to go, I mean, people are just – Losing interest. Yeah. I mean, in sitting at home watching it, I'll be the first, and I'll kind of close it down. I'll be the first to say, I can put it on by a third inning. I'm sitting there drilling asleep. But we've uh, been to, we've you know, been to you know, live games. Yeah, it goes by so much see. faster than it does in... Uh, yeah, but it, still, when we, when we go to live games, about the seventh inning, I'm done. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's why you guys stand up and stretch. Bro. Yeah, that's seventh seventh inning stretch. I'm going to stand up, stretch, and walk my rear end out to the car and get in the car and go home. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> all right. Let's go with the greatest NBA decade, and uh, um, you know, I, I made the the comment to the guys just a few minutes ago that I tried to watch an NBA game the other night, and the Mavs and the Heat, and honestly, after about three quarters of it, I was just so tired of watching it because I mean it was on pace to be a 130 140 point game and every, when I look at the scores it seems like every night's a 130 140 point uh, game for everybody in the league these days and you know I, I just kind of miss those games or the the time when basketball was more about you know just free reign offense and there was a defensive element to it to where you actually had to try to score and it wasn't okay shooting thirty something threes because I think by yeah, by halftime of that game, uh, either the Mavericks or the Heat wanted jacked up twenty eight threes, and I'm like, holy crap! I mean, Dallas. Yes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Dallas that jacked up that many. But I'm like, how in the world do how did that just ain't fun to watch anymore to me? I mean, I, I like the challenge going back and watching, you know, Gary Payton try to stop Michael Jordan from scoring. Or, you know, the, Isaiah, Thomas, Magic Isaiah and the Pistons, you know, putting down a gauntlet. Yeah. Or even the morning heat and the Knicks, you know, when those two would get together. The Miller Ewing. That, that, yeah. yeah. I mean, those to me were, were fun times. So it brought up the, you know, what's the greatest NBA decade? And, you know, to me, the 20, from 20, from 2000 to 2010 wasn't bad because it, it wasn't like this. You know, I enjoyed watching the Shaq Lakers yeah. and the Kobe Lakers. Showtime. And the Spurs and, the you know, eventually the Heat and the Mavericks and, you know, all those teams. Those, those games were – you know, To me, that was kind of a transition period between the 90s yeah. and what we got now. Right. Maybe that was a little bit of best of both worlds, but I still – you know, basketball to me was much more fun to watch in the 90s and the mid-90s with the Magic, with the Rockets, with the, the Bulls and the Knicks, and, you know, back when it was the Eastern Conference that was dominating everything, yes. not the Western Conference. And then, of course, we had that shift. So what, what do you all think? What's your all's favorite NBA decade? Go ahead, D-Rock. I would go – I just – I didn't even grow up in this decade, but going back and just watching it, the 80s, the 80s, I loved it. You watch – that was when men were playing men. I mean, you had the – the Celtics and Lakers, who was, I mean, you had basically your your hated rivalry right there. Who was going to win chips each year? It was Magic. It was Bird. It was, I, you know, you could Irish just. Irish against Korean. Yes, it was Chief. I loved, I loved it because now, what what's a foul now? 
What what really is a foul? Oh, my favorite one is where a shooter will go up and intentionally take his arms across the defensive player's hands and then throw a shot up over his head and get a foul call. I mean, I'm like, how is that not offensive initiating when they intentionally take their hands through another player's hands? The flopping has gotten worse. The flopping. You didn't have to worry about this stuff. No. I mean, 40 years ago, this is You flopped in the 90s, you're going to have a reason to flop. Yeah, if you flopped in the 90s, your your nose was probably... Yeah, yeah. You know, you was probably going to seek medical attention. Yeah. If you was flopping. Make sure you're going to flop. Yeah, I mean, it's just just crazy. It's kind of a bush league, I think. I was going to go, personally, y'all bring up some valid points. I was going to go mid-2000s. But as I sit here... In all honesty, I think the Spurs ruined the NBA in the mid-2000s. Ginobili, I thought, was the biggest – him and Parker, hands down the biggest flops in the NBA. <laughs> hands down. So you're I, thinking that's where the change happened. <laughs> yes. That, yes. I really, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mono Ginobili. Yes, yes, trust me. I've seen him many times. We've had him many times in the playoffs. Yes. It, it, I, I, I couldn't the stand him. The bad blood exists. I couldn't stand So I'm, I'm, going, I'm going with the 90s. I think you're Russell Westbrook's, you're James Harden's, you're driving in the paint on Charles Oakley, Larry Johnson, Lonzo Mourning. They have more trees. You're, you're, going, you're going to earn your buckets. Yes. And now I think just nowadays these guys just get to the rim too easy. There's, I mean, oh, yeah. my if I had to take one guy and put him in the nineties, and Stephen Adams from the Thunder, I think go yeah, in the nineties. Not totally too many guys this nowadays playing in the NBA can no. play in the nineties. I, I don't care. Everybody says LeBron, eh? They wouldn't eh, stand a chance. Maybe, but the, 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 you had to earn your buckets in the nineties. And then if you put the nineties players here. You, <laughs> What's going to happen to the bad boys of Detroit in 2020? Oh, God. They're all ejected. They're, they're, ejected. they're, they're going you to prison. Yeah, you don't have a team at halftime. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the first Bear Bears are going to jail. Yeah, this is where it's, just so, it's changed so yeah, much. Yeah, the 90s. It's so touchy now. Tic Tac. Jordan earned his stripe, you know, I, and that just goes back to that. That's why Jordan's better than LeBron, and he always will be. <clears throat> Right. Jordan yeah. went in the decade where men were, you had to earn so your are, points. Are, we, are, are y'all both saying the. Man, I, I'm saying the 90s. Early 2000s, like 90s. I'm saying 90s. I'm saying 90s. I, I see the point of the 80s. Um, but I, I just think the 90s had the toughness of the 80s. But the skill level of the players, we were starting to see that rise and separate. Because, I mean, I love Larry Bird to death. But I'm not sure Larry's making it in the mid '90s <laughs> league. I mean, pe- people would have been able to, I think, shut Larry Bird down. Right. You know, even in his prime. But that's the beauty of it. I mean, Larry's not going to join Magic. Magic's not going to join the Bad Boys. Isaiah Thomas ain't gonna go play with Michael no. Jordan. And, and that's what's that's what's ruined this game. Yeah, everybody's buddy buddy. Buddy buddy. That's why I love y'all. I blame that on AAU because that to me is an AAU system right there. Yeah. Everybody, let's just join up and see if we can't make the best team we can, and you know yeah. win. I, I, you know, I, I think the the NBA championships kind of. You know, up for it's to be purchased now, not necessarily to be earned. Right. It's who, it it's who can yeah, it waters it down. down. Yeah, I mean, what's a ring? You know, ring I think one of the last true teams to I can think of winning a, a title legitly outright. I mean, you have to maybe go back to maybe the Pistons. Wait, did you say earn? Actually, earn one. I got one for you. Hey, don't you even say the Mavericks. <laughs> <laughs> How can you not say 2011? They didn't earn it. 
I can see it in his face. Wow. Let's, let's talk about this for a minute. We might have to go over it. I can man. see the Lacoste. We'll, we'll, we'll be sitting here in a black hole for a now, while. I, I'm, I'm like talking, talking, I'm do talking like a, a team that really had no big free agent all-stars on it. And, you know, mm-hmm. those... Those type things. I they mean, were, they, I Ben they were Wallace drafted together, or like, like ben, they, yeah, they, they they were put together through a draft, maybe a it free agent like here. It, it wasn't traded. like they all just come together. And yeah, like, free agents. You know, your Chauncey, uh, your Rip, your Ben Wallace, Rasheed, Rasheed you know, Yeah, I mean that, bench, that, <laughs> that that team was a team that earned an NBA championship. Yes. Yeah. I mean, really no studs on that team. I mean, you can say what you want. They didn't have a stud player. No, Rip was a good player. I think Ben Walsh was drafted. Uh, I think he was undrafted. Yeah, I mean. And, Out of Virginia. You know, you had that defensive presence with Ben. You had who couldn't hit a shot to save his life. No. <laughs> but, I mean, you had Rip coming off those curl screens oh, and all that. And, it, I mean, he just made it terrible on everybody. But So, to think about it, that was the last – True team, I think, was put together in a what I consider a traditional way. I mean, how do you think Dallas was put together? You realize we won with guys that we had six, five, four, five guys in the late thirties. Who was our other than Dirk? Who else? Uh, we had role I'm, players. We were deep. I'm pretty sure Jet was on the team, wasn't he? Oh, so he's a superstar. Jason Terry. That man could go off for 50 any given night. You have lost him. He never went off for 50. Uh, his, I mean, the highest he might score was 32, 33. 32, 33. Okay, sorry, I was off base. I mean, he's a six man. I mean, he earned it. I mean, yes, he, he was a very good six man. <laughs> okay. He was probably one of the best six men <laughs> ever going. in the league. Yeah. Okay, keep going. Uh, I do believe, let's see, who was uh, – was Chandler on that team? Sure was. Come off big shoulder uh, surgery, yeah. And, and what had See, everybody done counting him out of the league, though. Yeah, I mean, but Sean Marion but, but, was thirty six, thirty seven. Page twelve was thirty eight, I think. But Page had only been ripping the league for how many years before he went there? <laughs> you just missed what I said. He was just going on like thirty eight. I mean, Sean Stevenson, super superstar. Uh, the beauty about Sean Stevenson, he got a ring before listen, LeBron. He told him all of those players you had just listed have been legitimate superstars for another team prior to. Deshaun Stevenson? Uh, I don't know. Deshaun Stevenson. But. He was on, yeah. Caron Butler was on the team, but he was hurt. Yeah. Uh, Sean Marion. Marion. Had been, Sean, Mahari- Sean Marion had been a stud at Phoenix, Phoenix right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Tyson Chandler was. had been a stud with New York. And, no, he was with Chicago. Oh, Chicago. <laughs> but, but he, he was had coming off surgery and everybody counted him out. But he, he was JJ a solid Moran. player. JJ was one that was underrated, but still, those those players that you just listed were all would probably be considered if you ranked NBA players. We were the underdog in every round we were going to. I'm just saying though, but if you put that team against the Detroit team, I mean, those teams would have. I mean, nobody. Detroit would have been an underdog by ninety freaking points. Did you see the path Dallas had to get to the finals to beat the? I'm not. I'm not. Saying that Lakers they they went together, I'm saying Detroit was a more traditionally put together team. How many like free agents came into that team? Very few, if any. Most That's of those, our, that Dallas team was put together in like three, two, three years through oh, free agencies. Through free agencies, what I'm okay. saying. That's my argument. But Jack, like we grabbed uh, Chauncey Billups when he was in his mid twenties. No, or I, Rip Hamilton when he was in his late twenties. 
No, I'm saying. <laughs> Brian Carter, that. for the love of God. Remember Brian Carter? Of course. Yes, I remember. How you know? We got to get our. Yeah, <laughs> this thing yeah, is. We're spinning in mud. Yeah, this, yeah once, the Ma- once the Mavericks come up, it's over. All right. <laughs> yes. We, we got to take this one uh, pretty quick to try to get back on time here. Top uh, NFL free agents that you would kind of take for your team. And I'm actually going to pass this one off because I think me and my oldest here are like bonded. I'm gonna take uh, send this one off to franchise and let him uh, take his go. pick for the Titans for us. Who are you right. taking in free agency here, boy? I'm taking an edge rusher. Edge rusher, I know you got a name. Who is it? Jadavion Clowney. I, 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 I agree with him totally. Um, you know, I think that's the one thing that killed us against the Chiefs, and you know, a when we were only rushing three and only yeah. on one side of the field, and just left the other side of the field completely free. But I think you, we got to be able to get heat on the quarterback. Yep. And uh, I, I think There's Ed Rusher. There's draft, though. Yeah, but I mean. Why you go pay a big money? Clowney's going to want big money. Go well, in the draft. Get give, him a, give him a two- or three-year contract and then draft one. you. One. Well, maybe one, but, you know, edge rushers don't. Angle grid you want to draft. Edge rushers are so hit and miss in the draft, though. I mean, Titans have not had a good history going back to curse. I mean, that was our last hit on probably an edge rusher. I mean, we drafted. Look at all the you no know, edge rushers we drafted. And hardly none of them. It's one of the biggest gambles, I think. Have uh, you can say quarterbacks? I say rushers. I think yeah, one of the biggest I mean, gambles. Because I mean, you, you look at the college game, and you know, for the most part, it's just so different. I mean, hell, most of their sacks are going to be coming against probably practice team <laughs> offensive linemen. So unless you can get. A you know an edge rusher that just does it week in and week out against top quality opponents, you know it's very, very misleading. I mean, you look at, um, you know, the last few years, some of the edge rushers that come out, you know, some of them have hit, more of them have missed. Yeah. I mean, so it, to me, it's a big gamble. So I think if you can get a Jadavion Clowney and you know for the right price, and then draft one, maybe two. To come in and learn and see if they're going to pan out, I think that's your best. You can one. always find them later in the draft. <coughs> Max Crosby. Just saying. Just saying. All right, who you got for Down the Colts? Down in the rough. Who do I got for the Colts? I'm going to make this short and simple because I thought on the last debate I coughed up enough time as it was. I'm going to Phillip Rivers. And he's got one of the best offensive lines, one of the, uh, some of the best weapons. We're a quarterback away from going to the playoffs, possibly the Super Bowl. I'm saying Phillip Rivers for two years. Thank you. Out. Shock the world, let's bring Tom freaking Brady to Dallas. That'd be like one of your biggest news stories ever in sports. It would be like... Very true. It, it's, 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 it's just... Everything right there is... It's the reverse of the Jones. Tony Dorsett dra- it, trade. It is. I, I would love to see it. I'd like to... I'd give him a two-year deal. I think he's got two years left, and that's... And, and the thing about Dallas is they have enough parts that, yeah. that you can make that happen. Yeah. I mean, he... He doesn't need to throw it 35, 40 times a game now, and you have an offensive line that can run block. You have a great back in Zeke that can get the job done, and you have the weapons on the outside that he can, you know, when he has to, he can pick people apart. I think Dak, you know, the problem is what do you do with Dak in that situation? Uh, You might be able to make a draft, draft day trade and send Dak somewhere else and, and for picks. And then, uh, I mean, because somebody's going to jump on that. I mean, if you take Dak over to the quarterbacks in the draft, I mean, that's a no-brainer. My, my thing uh, is, not, not before we get to the next subject, last subject. Are we dying for Trevor Lawrence? Uh, that's going to well, your first pick, two dominoes, 
whether it's going to be Brady, then it's going to be Rivers. Both quarterbacks, what are they going to be looking for? You better have a good offensive line, and you better have weapons. Weapons. If not, weapons. Weapons. Out. All right. So, you know, I, I think all of us are, are legitimate Dallas. legitimate picks. I mean, you know, they just need to make us GMs, and we, we can run <laughs> NFL franchises and probably – being you facing each other for Super Bowls every year. It might be another twenty five years from now. Since I was GM, I don't know. Cut from kitchen, baby. <laughs> All right, let's take the last uh, one here. Oh, we got one more. Uh, who are you taking there, Skeeter? Kill Barrett. Shaq Barrett. Uh-oh. Who's your team? Like it. Titans. Shaq Barrett for the mm-hmm. Titans. That's another good, a good edge year rusher. Last year. Very good year. Uh, you know, the thing sacks. you worry about that is, you know, is it a one-and-done one year type of him? Is it a, one of those situations? I like consistency over multiple years, which, you know, the big thing, like going back to what Caleb picked there with Clowney is just he seems to be a little bit injury-prone. Mm-hmm. That scares me a little bit. That's what it is. All right, our last topic is going to be taking it down to the high school level and having a high school athlete myself uh, as a child – I mean, one of the things I've always debated on is, you know, what's the best thing for kids? Is it, you know, encouraging kids to become multi-sport athletes or uh, specializing in one sport? And uh, since I am, you know, the father of a uh, high school sport kid, I'll, I'll kind of save my thoughts for last and let you all tackle this one first because, I mean, played sports, you all know. Go ahead, Derek. You rock. I would lean more towards... I want to lean more towards one sport. I just think, um, obviously, I don't have kids, but if I if I was going, if, I, if my kid was interested in winning sports, I wouldn't want to burn him out with putting him through everything. If he if he had one for, one sport, I would want him to focus on it and see. Let's just see how good you can be at that. You can be the best you can be. Obviously, there's arguments for both sides, but I lean more towards the multi, just the one sport. That's just, that's my take on it. What you think, Rowdy? I'm going to come in pretty heavy with this one. Uh, growing up, good buddies with uh, Sean Emery. Really good buddy. I mean, we were close. Uh, growing up, we played three sports. It was basketball, football, and baseball. We get to the high school level, and I want to say sophomore year is when he drops out. Uh, he, you know, he shuts down basketball. and then But his freshman year, I think at freshman year, he cut out basketball. So he ended up down to two sports. And I think, in all honesty, what happened with Sean, and I think this, uh, this happens with if you try to throw your kids with three sports, man, they're going to get tired. You're going to tug. They're going to get tugged around. They're going to have so many miles on them. And you, once they get, you know, from the junior pros to your middle schools to your high schools, they're done beat. They're done. And I feel like that's what happened to Sean. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's one of the best athletes, you know, that I've I've mm-hmm. played with. And I mean, I played too. And I can only imagine what he was going through all three. So I think you just need to. Well, it all comes well, down to what your kid wants to do. Well, I think. You know, the key with multi-sports, it don't have to be three. I mean, multiple is two. Right. And, uh, you know, I guess this is where, as a parent, I think, you know, for for my, you know, and as a football coach and as a volleyball coach and, you know, coaching multiple sports, you know, I've coached baseball, I've coached a little bit of everything under the sun. I'm just, I wish they'd get a ping pong team so I'd coach that too. <laughs> But uh, I believe I could hang some ping pong banners in the gym. There you go. Um, But, you know, I think when you look at the success of students, student athletes, going to the next level, and if that's their ambition, I really think that they ought to have a complimentary sport. Now, 
you know, I think anything in the right facet can be a complimentary sport. But, you know, I like the idea of, you know, baseball players playing football. I like, you know, any athlete playing football, to be honest. I just think physically it makes them a little track different. Um, you know, track. Yeah, and, man. you know, I, I've tried to talk my own son into, you know, going to run track. If nothing else, just make him faster and, you know, get the running in. Um, if... You know, I think the one good thing for, you know, the football players is the off-season weightlifting program. Mm -hmm. um, but still, you know, you, I like what you can get from the other sports. I like the hand-eye coordination that comes along with uh, baseball and basketball. I like, you know, the toughness that comes along with football. I like the endurance and, you know, just the running technique that comes along with track. Yeah. And if you look at the statistics, most of the – players that are drafted on draft day in the NFL have, a track I think record. have like some kind of, you know, 70 to 80% typically year in, year out mm -hmm. played multiple sports in high school. And I, I think there's some correlation to success and that, and it's not just that they're track guys. You know, a lot of them played basketball, a lot of them played baseball, um, a lot of linemen wrestle, you know. So I do think there's value in that. Now, is there some kids that are going to, you know, that's not going to benefit? Sure. And so I think that some kids come into it and just, you know, specializing is good for them. Uh, but on a large part, I, I think that, you know, these parents that are keeping kids out, you know, nine, ten months a year playing baseball and travel baseball, fall league baseball, I think over the long haul that wears kids out. And, and you get more burnout. And I think that switching sports, alternating sports, you know, keeps it interesting and that there's a lot less burnout. Totally uh, right. You know, and, you know, we're fortunate to have a, a high school football player right here. So what's your thoughts? You, you, and, you know, like I said, I've tried to get this kid to run track. And that ain't happening because he don't like to run. <laughs> he so, likes to throw. <laughs> he likes to throw the ball. So what's what your thoughts? Personally... I think you're better off playing one sport. No, you would. <laughs> Just like most sons disagree with their fathers about everything, well, but that's okay. In the thing, when you're playing football, when, during the off season, we're lifting. You don't. You're sore. You're tired. You're not going to be able to go out and just do another sport like it's nothing. You're going to be tired. You're going to be exhausted, and eventually your body's done. But you know, but do. And you can attest to this through most of the kids that play other sports lift with you all no. during the off season. Okay, so they're not doing the same thing because they're doing other things to make themselves better, whether it's, you know, well, not, it's not lifting. If, you, if you're doing that, you're not getting better at doing that. And if you're doing that, you're not getting better at doing that. <laughs> well, you mean you're not getting so better at football is what you yeah, mean. Yeah, if you're not doing, if you're not playing football, you're not getting better at football. What, what, if, what if it just comes natural? Like, what if you're just... Good. A God-gifted athlete. God -gifted well, that I'm not cute, am I? <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> We're going to end it on that one because he is not cute. He's not, not cute. <laughs> All right. Well, it's been another episode of Spill Your Sports and... Uh, we're going to take it and hope you enjoyed that. It was just a, you know, a good time to talk sports with uh, Willie Rowdy Rudnick and old D-Rock Pretty here and even some talks from the franchise, Caleb Franchise Decker and here at Big Daddy Decker. 
So everybody have a good week of work. Stay safe out there. Stay classy. Let's go, Kentucky. Signing off. Signing off and spill your sports.